If not, it will come up on the screen or you can go on your phone or if you're like super cool and you memorized it, then just close your eyes and read it off of your brain waves. You know, that would be also cool. Uh, what? Book of Eli, okay, you know what I'm saying? Hey. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get to John chapter one in just a second. And we'll actually probably, we'll begin right in verse one. So that would be really easy. But uh, Lord, Lord, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you that we, our hearts are open. And Lord, as we've been talking about mobilize, God, I thank you that you are mobilizing us. You're preparing us for action. God, we don't want to just, just sit and do nothing. We want to be kicked off the bench and into the game, God. You said, therefore, go. And so, God, we want to embrace the go of the gospel and do something about what you've done in our lives. And so I pray that you would do that in our hearts tonight. And I pray that we would be the most loving people on this place, on this, on this earth. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So we're concluding tonight a series called Mobilize. Everyone say Mobilize. And mobilize literally means to prepare for action. So we've been talking about uh, being people of faith, uh, people who believe God contrary to circumstances and popular opinion. We believe God and we believe his word. We're, we also talked, we took two weeks and talked about intercessory prayer. And so intercession literally means to plead with God on behalf of another. And so we're literally taking two weeks on practical ways. And how do you do that? Because there's types of prayers listed out in scripture, like Thanksgiving prayers and supplications and all these types of things. So we spent two weeks really talking about intercession. And if you know, we have a podcast called The Crux Cast. And if you're like, dude, I missed last week, I wanna know. Okay, well then you can go on iTunes and look up The Crux Cast and, and it's available for you there. Tonight, we're gonna focus on relational evangelism. And so, man, let's just say that together. Relational evangelism. And so we're, you know, we're mobilizing to reach the campus. Everything that we've been saying in the last few weeks and tonight is actually geared towards reaching the campus, but the, the principles are from the word of God, so they can be applied to all areas of life. But we're mobilizing to reach the campus, campus door moving. Uh, they start tomorrow, the concert's a week from today. And so the thing is, man, evangelism is, in short, we're reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, I love the whoever of that part, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it, it includes everybody. It said, whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that God sent his son to die on a cross to rescue us from our sins, so that we could have a home in heaven, uh, our sins forgiven in a relationship with God. That's good news. And I just gave it to you in less than 30 seconds. That's how simple it is. You, you with me on this? Like, and so, man, we want to reach people with this good news, but in light of reaching people with good news, I want you to, to, to understand that in light of that, there are different tools for different jobs. And so if you have a hammer, they work good for nails. And if you have a screwdriver, they work good for what? Screws. It's so crazy, right? If <laughs> but this is, I want you to understand this because it's, it's been said like this. If all you have is a hammer, then you think everything looks like a nail. And so this is the point. There are different tools for different jobs. And when we're reaching people, there's different methods for different people. You with me on this? Like I, I've been on missions trips and, and we've done all kinds of things in the missions field and we've done all kinds of things here. And I've used like 
countless methods of evangelism, things like using a tract, a gospel tract, Steps to Peace with God, you know what I'm saying? Billy Graham, uh, the, the Evangel Cube, the, preaching the Romans Road, or just straight up preaching to somebody the gospel. I've, we stood on the streets of Brazil and Rio de Janeiro and, and just preached the simple gospel, the Romans Road, and then we've seen people come to Christ in, on the streets of Brazil. And we've seen this happening all over the world in, in the streets of, of, of Baguio in the Philippines, in Manila in the Philippines, in all places, in, in the slums of Brazil, in the in, uh, in places in Uganda, in places in South Africa, in Swaziland, in Mexico City, in Costa Rica, like walking through stores in Costa Rica, just preaching the gospel as we're walking through. Some of us were there. And so we were, we were just sharing the good news with people and letting them know that Jesus loves them, has a plan for their life. And I've used so many of these methods. And, you know, and, and there's some people do like uh, service work where they're, they're building houses and they're preaching with their actions and, and uh, social justice types of things. And all of this, there's so many methods. But if we're not careful, we'll think that it's, that it's a one tool for all jobs kind of a deal. Like the, the message all, never, you know what I'm saying? The message never changes, but the methods are always changing. And, and the thing is, it, the reality is if all you have is a hammer, you think everything's a nail, but it's just not true. And so we'll be using the wrong tool in the situation to reach someone with the gospel. We'll be doing the hard sell, and they're like, hey, bro, I just wanted to know that I was valuable. Have you ever had, we had this, we had this yesterday. Uh, as you know, we just had a baby, so he's about two months old. Actually, next Wednesday, he'll be officially two months old, praise the Lord. He's still alive, so that's good. And uh, I'm a, I think I'm doing good as a parent, so... <laughs> But like, so they do this thing in the hospital where they take pictures and, and they say it's for free, okay? So it's, it's hard in this world to, when anyone says anything is for free because you feel like there's always going to be a catch, you know? But uh, the, the guy says, they said it's for free and they ended up uh, from the hospital. They came to our house, I don't know, a couple weeks ago and then took pictures and the pictures were actually really awesome. Like, they're, you know, like they do the, they set the backdrop and they, and they pose, he's like this posing and he's smiling. I don't know how they got him to do this stuff, but it's like, they're amazing. So we got to look at this stuff. And so the way that they do it is that they call you back and they called us back yesterday. And we're like, uh, there's this app called Join Me. Have you guys, you guys know what that is? It's kind of like conference calls and things like that. So he's on the phone and then we're like, it's like a, it's like a PowerPoint type of presentation. So he's clicking through, showing us the pictures and then comes to how much is everything? And here's where the homeboy gets crazy on his sales, sales pitch. I'm, I'm telling you, dude, I'm like, I wanted to punch him through the phone. That's how unchristian I felt in that moment, you know, because this is how it went down. We're like, hey, so how does everything cost? Or, you know, what's the cost? Like, what can we, you know, what's the deal? And he just kind of ignores what we just said. Oh, here's our package. It starts with like the expensive ones first and then goes down the list. And we ask him a question. I'm like, hey, so, um, so how much would it be to just get this CD? Oh, well, actually the other packages are this. And he just kept ignoring me. He's going for the sale. How many, have, you always, have, you, have you guys dealt with salesmen before? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, let's, let's say, let, let me just say this, cell phone salesman at the mall. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you can't walk by. You just like, you break all eye contact. You know what I'm saying? You're like, if I look at them, if I even answer that random question they're trying to ask me just to reel me in, it's all over with. You know what I'm saying? And that's how this guy was treating us on the phone. And I was like, bro, we're asking you a question. And he kept answering our question with a question. I hate that. And so every time he's like, I'm like, hey, you know, how much is the thing? Oh, actually, everyone else really likes these packages and for this much and you can get this and all that stuff. And we're just like, oh my gosh, dude, can you like actually treat us like human beings? I'm asking you a question. Can you answer me? You know what I'm saying? Like, and so finally we ended up, you know, 
making a purchase for an untold amount of dollars because the pictures were so awesome. I just wanted the pictures, you know, so we bought like the, you can just buy the album and then print them yourself and do the whole thing. But the thing is, I feel like sometimes we're so like adamant about someone praying a salvation prayer, someone getting saved, that we bypass that they're a normal human being (laughs) and they have feelings and that you actually have to listen to them. What? I know that's crazy. I know I may even be weird to say out loud in a church service talking about evangelism, but you actually have to be a human being back to them and treat them like they're valuable and treat them like they're actually a real person. And so, man, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, like, for example, I, I, was, I was sharing this with some friends that we're in the Philippines. I'm on mission. Like, I'm only there for like less than two weeks. Some people, they're, they're just, they're going to get saved and I'm going to give it to them straight up and I'm going to be very direct. And the anointing flows on that. I don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit moves. And like, like this guy comes up to me. So this is kind of, let me just give you like an, a, a scenario of what we're doing. We were, we were at a college campus and there was like this flagpole thing. And then, the, you know, the pole's up here and it's just kind of like a little concrete block. So I just took opportunity. I stood on the thing. Uh, got this huge Evangicube, and I said, hey, everybody, and there's students walking back and forth, I said, hey, uh, I have a message from heaven from y'all, come over here, hey, you, yeah, come over here, and we gather a crowd, I just went through the Evangicube, and I preached the gospel, and people are like saying yes to Jesus, it was so simple, the anointing's flowing, and people are getting touched by God and the Holy Spirit and all this, and, and so I, in the midst of this, then we're praying for people, we're, we're connecting with them, we're, we, we partnered up with this campus ministry called Lifebox, and so they're following up with them for discipleship and all this, so uh, one guy in the midst of all this, he just walks up to me and he tells me, hey, I'm, I'm backsliding and, and, and I'm, I'm away from God right now. And, and so in that moment, it wasn't like, hey, let's talk about your problem. I literally just put my hands on his shoulders and said, there's mercy for you. And he just started weeping. And I'm like, and, and it wasn't like, and so, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he started weeping. And then I said, dude, you want to pray and ask God and rededicate your heart to Jesus today, man? You want to come home? And he's like, yes. And we prayed together, and it was so direct, and it was so, like, right in your face. But you guess what? If, if that's my only tool, then I'll think every situation has to look just like that. And I've, been, and, I've, and I've done all kinds of stuff. I've made foolish mistakes. I have done the hard sell to people in America and felt like an idiot walking away from it. And I'm okay with that. Like, my identity's not tied to my mistakes. Like, it's okay. I made mistakes. I didn't live and learn, right? But what I'm trying to get at is that there's many ways to preach the gospel. There's many ways to do that. Sometimes it's that direct approach where you're just like, dude, there's mercy for you, man, and God is here. And he just starts weeping. You're like, it worked. <laughs> He's weeping. The mercy of God is touching him. And it's awesome, and it works. But then sometimes it's like, man, I need to use a screwdriver because this is a different type of job. You know what I mean? Like, and we have to realize that, that not every tool, it, it, you know what I'm saying? There's different tools for different jobs, different people, different methods. And so, man, what works for one person may not work for another. But what I want us to embrace tonight is this, an overall value of love. And I know that might sound super, super like basic, but I'm going to explain this. I want us to embrace as an overall value, regardless of what tool you're using, regardless of what method you're using, if we embrace this thing called love, then I I believe that we will actually leave a mark on people in a a good way. You know what I'm saying? We will actually leave an influence. We'll leave a a, a residue, so to speak. And when we look at uh, exploring further and specifically what, what I'm talking about with love, I'm talking about knowing that people are valuable and treating them as such. I'm talking about meeting people where they're at instead of expecting them to jump up to your level. Some people won't go to church and you have to bring church to them. And sometimes we apply the rules of the family to people who aren't in the family yet. 
and that's, that messes things up, man, because we put some standards on people who aren't even saved yet. You're like, bro, that's what sinners do. They sin. You with me on this? And we're getting all critical and all this stuff. We're like, well, they passed this thing about the same-sex marriage, and, and I'm just, oh, the whole world's like, oh. I'm like, hey, like, that's what sinners do. They sin. Like, you, you <laughs> why are we getting all crazy about that? If they're not in the family, then we shouldn't act, expect them to act like they're in the family. You with me on this? And we're so judgmental sometimes. And we're like, it's okay, man. The, you know, love, and the other part of being specific about love, what I'm talking about, is actually allowing people the freedom to be themselves. Oh, y'all, did you catch what I just said? Allowing people the freedom to actually be themselves in your presence. Like Jesus had such an atmosphere of freedom around him, like one preacher said, that people weren't afraid to let their stupid out in front of him. Hey, like, okay, maybe you're not sure what I'm talking about. Like people, like let's say the disciples, James and John, they get rejected. And I, and I promise you, we'll get to John chapter one in a second. Okay, just, just bear with me here. Uh, John, James and John, they go preaching into the Samaritan village. The Samaritan village actually rejects them. And, they, and they're like, and so what does James and John say? Man, we need to pray for them that God just really opens their heart to the gospel. No, Jesus, should we call fire down from heaven and consume this entire village like Elijah did? And Jesus is like, uh, you guys do not know what you're talking about. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. This is, this is Luke 9. You can read this verses 50 through something, something. It's in there. What's the point? They had enough freedom in the atmosphere to feel like they could say that to Jesus and not feel like they're going to get backhanded. You know what I'm talking about? Like they had enough freedom to ask if they could actually kill people in front of Jesus. This is, I'm talking about, that's true love when people can be themselves in front of you and they don't have to have any, any like thing that you, they're going to get judged if they actually know the real you. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's true love when people can actually be themselves. And I'll love you anyway, because that's what love does. Love without condition. God sent Jesus and died on a cross while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, he came for us. And that's unconditional love, man. And so what, what, what am I trying to get at? I, I'm trying to say that those are some specific aspects that we're going to look at uh, in light of love. I mean, I'm telling you, these are just good things for relationships, but we're focusing on evangelism tonight. And, and so, man, I, I'm saying... I'm not talking about, when I say evangelism and even relational evangelism, I'm not talking about selling a product. I'm talking about demonstrating a value for the other person and understanding where they're coming from. And, and that's going to be huge for us, especially like, let's just say, case in point, next Thursday, there's going to be hundreds of college students hanging out in our front lawn, you know, in our front parking lot. And, and man, how cool would it be if they had a visual representation of love in the flesh, of actually hey, oh, you're Muslim? Oh, wow, dude, Jesus loves you, man. Give me a hug. You know what I'm saying? Like, so simple. And not, not saying like, oh, oh, really? And then your whole face changes, your whole attitude changes towards them, and now it's like, it's like attack mode. You know, like, I know the three points of why you need to get saved, and I know three points of why the Quran is wrong. You know, like, whoever, like, whoever gets saved because they lost an argument. You know what I'm saying? Like, anyway, my, my hope is that, that man, I, I, for me, Personally, for me, I'll still be direct and tell people, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And if I have a word from God, I'll share it to them. And, and, but I'm overall goal of love. And my, my hope and my question that I want us to ask is this, whether it's next Thursday at the concert or you're walking through your uh, campus or going through life, will people walk away from conversations with you feeling like they were a sale or feeling like they were a valuable person that God reached out to? That's what we want, man. 
And no matter what method we're using, we, 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 our whole thing is love. Um, uh, I was reading this quote, Napoleon Bonaparte, who was the, the, the ruler of France, at one time a world ruler. This is what he is quoted saying. He said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. That's what we're after. I'm not after force. I'm not trying to make people do anything. I'm saying love. And even a heathen king could figure it out. We've dominated the world by force. But this Jesus, he built his empire on love, and millions were willing to give their lives for him. That's the kingdom of God. That's how the gospel moves forward. So we finally come to John chapter 1. And this is John's account of Jesus first coming to earth. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I like that. I like the beginning was the Word. It all starts with the Word. What does God say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. Verse 8, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That is crazy. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The creator came to the creation and got rejected. Verse 11, he came. Everyone say, he came. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. That's deep. Are you still with me on this? Verse 16, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And I want you to see this in verse 17. For the law was given. Say given. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, everyone say came. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who was at the Father's side, has made him known. I like how the NASB says that basically Jesus has explained him. That instead of made him known, they translated explained him. I love that. Like Jesus is the explanation of the Father. Like you look at Jesus, you get Father explained in one person. It's amazing. But the one thing I want you to grab from this, in this passage, is that God became a man and dwelt among people. 
This is huge. This is like a huge doctrine of the faith right here. He came, you came from heaven to earth. He came from heaven to earth. I got it right. He walked amongst people. God became flesh and walks amongst men. God became a man and conversed with people. See, I, I, don't, know if you're, you're, I don't know if you're catching this. Sometimes we get in our Christian bubbles and we hang out with Christians. But God became a man and hung out with people. Are you with me on this? We, we have Christian parties, Christian gatherings, Christian hangouts, Christian third Friday hangouts, whatever. We do all this stuff with Christian people, but God came and decided, I just want to hang out with people. Whether you're saved or you're not saved, I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. This is what God did. It said he paid, the word God became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. God became a man and conversed with people. He built lasting relationships with people. He demonstrated compassion for people. He broke prejudice barriers. He hung out with women where you're not allowed to talk to the women, like the woman at the well, we'll read later. He, he wasn't supposed to talk to that, and she was a Samaritan, not even supposed to do that either. He just broke barriers because he loves people. Come on, man, there's so many. God spent time with undeserving people. The law was given, but grace and truth came. What I want you to see is that when God was giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, he had two two you know, stone tablets and they wrote the Ten Commandments, but there was one person conversing with God and there was this guy Moses who came down the mountain and talked. It's, it would be kind of like the equivalent today, if I, can, if I can do this without being irreverent, it would be like God sending a text message and sending it down to us saying, this is what I'd like from you. Versus someone coming in person and talking to you. The, the law was given, but grace and truth came. Are you getting, are you get what I'm saying? I, we could play a DVD and that would be cool. Like when someone could give us their message and we can watch a DVD, it's cool. We'll still get blessed by it, a little impersonal, but hey, we'll still get something from it. But it's different if someone stepped out and hung out right in front of you because you could see who they really were. God became a man and dwelt amongst people. It's so important for us to catch this because as followers of Christ, we have to dwell amongst people. I know that might sound crazy, I, I know, but Jesus was actually accused of being a friend of sinners. If people followed your life around and they went where you went and, and watched where you, what, what you did and all that stuff, could they say the same accusations about your life? God became a man, holy. John Piper says, Jesus is the holiness of God made accessible. God became a man and hung out with people. Come on. And God became accessible to people. And God became flesh. He spent time. The law was just given from a distance. But grace and truth, when he decided to come, he said, I'll come in a person and I'll actually hang out with you and I'll eat with you and I'll talk with you. We'll make jokes together. We'll wash feet together. We'll do all kinds of stuff. So that way you could actually see what it's like. Are you with me on this? God, in other words, let me just say it like this. In other words, God got more personal. It wasn't just God talking to Moses anymore. It was Jesus walking amongst the crowds. And the end goal for all of it was relationship. And he set an example of what it is to humble yourself and understand people because he was one. It's different, man. It's different when you're God up in heaven, but it's, and, and, and people can say, well, you don't understand what it's like. Remember the old song, what if God was one of us? Every time I heard it on the radar, I'm like, he was! You know, like. 
was when I first got saved, man. I didn't know. I just want to shout at everything. I was like, you want to get saved? You know, like. He set an example, though, of what it was to humble yourself and understand people because he was people. He was a person. God became a man and dwelt among us. And I love it, man. He felt what we felt. He was tempted the way we we're tempted. He, he faced trials and temptations in hard times the same way you. He had family problems. He had friend problems. His own friends rejected him. Come on. I mean, you, his, one of his close friends was Judas. You know what I'm saying? Like, how would you like that to be in your top contacts? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, Judas, oh, I'm not going to call him in a tough time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, this is Jesus walking amongst men, hanging out, and he had friends like Judas, but yet he still wanted to have communion with them. Like, he still invited Judas to take the bread and to take the juice. This is God. This is like, this is God being explained. Like, who is God? Oh, I can look at Jesus and find out the clarity of who Jesus, or who the Father really is. And so God became a man, and, and, and he humbled himself, and he felt what we felt. Uh, I love this story in Mark 2. Jesus is... Jesus is like walking along. He sees Matthew sitting on his tax collector booth. And in the culture of that day, these guys were, they were, they were just messed up people, man. No, people didn't really like them too much because they would, they would just kind of up the prices so they could make a little extra money on the side. But, but Matthew or Levi, he, he walks by and he says, hey, follow me. And something, I don't even know, man. Jesus' words were so powerful. He just said, follow me. I don't even like, do you even know who this guy is? But he just got up off his table and just started following him. Maybe, maybe it was because someone finally showed him value in life. Maybe it was because someone finally said, oh, you're worth something so I can, you can be a part of a family or whatever it was. But it says that in verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. You see that? Tax collectors and sinners were eating with him because there was a many of them who followed him. Sinners love to be around Jesus. They just love hanging out with him. Is that crazy? Could that be the testimony of our lives that people love to be around you? You with me on this? There was such an atmosphere of freedom around Jesus that sinners and tax collectors wanted to be around him. And for some reason, the church people didn't want to. I don't know. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to him, I, I love that, because they ask his disciples, but Jesus answers. Sometimes Jesus just answers, us, answers the battles for us. You know what I'm saying? It's like people talking trash, Jesus said, take care of it for me. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus just steps in and he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He put himself right in the midst of people who needed him. And the question is, where are you putting yourself? Sometimes, man, you know, Jesus said we're the light of the world, and then we hang out with other lights, and it's just like a light party. You know what I'm saying? We're like, it's just getting brighter and brighter. This is amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How many understand if I turn a flashlight right on here, it really doesn't do much. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yay. You're like, okay, that's stupid, you know. But they work really good when it's dark. They work really good. And maybe, maybe the reason why our prophetic giftings and our healings and things like that aren't working as good as we want them to is because we're using it so much in the light and it would probably shine a lot brighter in the darkness. Just some thoughts, you know. So here's the deal. We'll get really practical. This is, so I'm just, those are concepts I'm saying, but here's real, real practical here. I want to talk about some real practical keys for relational evangelism. And the first key is this, is understanding. 
understanding. Andrew Ironside said, he said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. In any kind of communication, it's so important to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Danny Silk says, the goal of communication is to understand. And, he, and he'll go on to say, not agreement, but to understand. Sometimes we're like, all we want is people like, you better agree with what I'm saying and, or else we're not gonna be friends anymore. And it's like, uh, how about we just understand each other? The goal of communication is to understand each other. Because the reality is, is what happens is if we don't agree, we don't agree, oh, I don't agree. That's why we have like 1,800 churches in like a 10 square radius, you know, because people like, oh, we don't agree, we don't agree, so we're not friends and we're not allowed to go to that church because they don't believe the way we believe. Eee! Let's just break it down to real relationships. In your family, if my, if my, let's say my brother or my sister don't agree with me, does that mean I just walk away from the relationship? Sorry, they're going to be my sister for life or my brother for life. You know what I'm saying? We're blood related. And sometimes in, in church and all this stuff, we're so concerned about being right that we forgot to actually understand where the other person's coming from. And man, we're like, we're, we're like T-Rexes, dude. We're like just clobber everything and just eat everybody. We're like just mowing people over with our truth. You know, I know the truth and I'm right and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, man, <laughs> man, we have to be able to understand people. It's so important. I wish the guy on the phone would just like understand like, hey, bro, we don't have $500 to spend on baby pictures right now. Can we get the cheap route, bro? Because I'm on a Dave Ramsey budget right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish he would just connect with me. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like in our evangelism, if we would just understand that people, hey, they just want to be understood. Like, do you, do you even care where I'm coming from in this? Like, I am, let's say we're, I, you know, I would love to go to the LGBTQ. They have like a, a center in the student unit. I would love to just go there and hang out and pray with people. You know, instead of like me trying to shove gospel down their throat, I'd just love to hang out with them. Where are you coming from? How did you end up here? Let me understand where you're coming from before I assume that I know what's happening in your life and then make some judgments and then tell you what you need to know because I know what you need to know. I know the truth. You're like, actually, it's not what happened and we're missing each other hard, man. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I was, there's this really cool quote by David Burns, who's a medical doctor at the University of Pennsylvania. And he says, the biggest mistake you can make in trying to talk convincingly is to put your highest priority on expressing your ideas and feelings. What most people really want is to be listened to, respected, and understood. The moment people see that they're being understood, they become more motivated to understand your point of view. I love that. The moment people see that you're being, that they're being understood, they become more motivated to understand your point of view. And so, man, understanding. We have to have a respect where people are coming from and meet them where they're at. Jesus walked the earth, built relationships with people. He hung out with people. He, he, he was able to talk to Nicodemus at night, who was a Pharisee, who was afraid to talk about, you know, talk to Jesus in front of everyone else. But let's talk, to, let's talk and can we ask him some questions about kingdom of God and all this stuff? Because I don't understand anything. And he talked to him. He talked with the woman at the well. He talked with his disciples. He talked with all his people. He built relationships. And I want to encourage you, ask people questions and ask things about themselves. Like get to know people, hear their story, consider their present circumstances. <laughs> like, like, hey, maybe like me trying to get them to pray this prayer isn't what they need right now. Maybe I just say, hey, can I pray for you? Because it seems like you're going through some stuff with your family that you're just talking to me about. I'd love to just pray for you. 
You know what I'm saying? And and I have, you know, I had a friend one time with, that I used to skate with and stuff, and he was about to go on some trip traveling the world, and they were doing photography and stuff like that. So I was like, hey, dude, can I just pray for you and pray for your trip? He's like, yeah. So I just on the phone, I just prayed for him. Talked to him like a couple months later, and he's like, dude, you prayed for our trip? Seriously? It was blessed. Like, you prayed for our trip to be blessed, and it was blessed. Like, we had, you know, like, it was like, in, in Christianese language, we had favor everywhere we went. Like, that's how he would, you know, that's what I would say, but he said it in other words. But the thing is, it's like, it was so cool, and it wasn't like I had to shove something down his throat. I was just like, I'm going to understand where you're coming from. This is where you're at. Seeds fit where trees can't. You get what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And I, you know, you can fit a seed in the crack of a cement, and then eventually it'll turn into something, right? But you try to stick the tree into the crack, it's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? Seeds fit where trees can. It's just so important for us to understand. Uh, Hebrews 4.15 talks about Jesus again. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And I love that he did all this and never compromised his relationship with the Father. So good. In, 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 in all our understanding and all our meeting people where they're at, we, keep, we don't compromise a relationship with God. In Jesus, he set that amazing example. Another thing is humility. And, and, and as far as relationships and relational evangelism, humility, humility is attractive. You know those kind of, you know, on the opposite, you know those kind of people who know it all, and they ain't going to let anyone else tell them otherwise. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, man. It's, it's like equivalent spiritually to, like, someone who's got the rankest BO, and everyone knows it, and you, like, want to hand them that deodorant stick, but they don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? You're like, bro, like, do not lift your hands in worship right now. I don't care what the pastor just said. Do not lift your hands right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, sure, unsure. Stay unsure right now, please. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like this is nasty. And, and pride is like that, though. Pride is like that. It's like everybody around you knows it, you know. And it's like humility, though, is so attractive. And Jesus, so confident, I love Jesus because this is wild what he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus was humble. He was God in the flesh, but he walked humbly on the earth. And I want to say this, a sign of immature love is that you always have to be right. I mean, that's just a sign of immaturity just in general, that if you always have to be right, wow, man, you're setting yourself up for a real challenging marriage, for real challenging friendships, if they, if they last, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, man, I, I'm telling you, we, we, let me say this, in regards to evangelism, we hold fast to the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to have a relationship with God. I believe that with all my heart. But to argue and to have to be right just isn't the humble route. It's just not the way we do it because you're not taking time to understand the other person. It's really more about you than it is about them. It's like, oh, I have this point and I'm right. And so C.S. Lewis says, he says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. <laughs> Come on, somebody likes that. And let me just go a little bit further. The reality is this, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he was actually made wrong so that you could be made right. And that's humbling, knowing that for sure you're right, yet taking the blame for undeserving sinners. Did you catch that? But like, I know that I'm right. Well, Jesus was pretty right too, but he actually took your wrong so you could be right. That's real good right there. I want that to sink in your heart because that's good stuff. Jesus became wrong. Be like, no, I am right though. 
okay, can you be like Jesus? Because you said you follow him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, but no, 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 no. Like, let me tell you something. I am right. <laughs> it's like that dude in, in Florida who, like, was going out to burn the Koran publicly. Do you guys remember this? This is a few years ago. He's about to burn the Koran publicly, and he's a Christian pastor in this whole thing. Just stupid choices, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, but it's wrong. It's, it, the, the Quran is not true and all this stuff. Like, yeah, but bro, you can be right and wrong all at the same time. And you can have that in relationships. We're like, no, 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 I am right. The toilet paper is supposed to go this way, not that way. And I said that because we do this over stupid reasons. And we hold on because I'm right. And sometimes we just need to Take a slice, some humble pie, you know what I'm saying? And swallow it and let it just get into our being. And be humble, man. And humility is attractive. People are actually drawn to people who are humble and don't have to be right all the time. And in evangelism, it's so important for us. Like, like hey, listen, man, I, we've ministered to all different kinds of people. And the reality is, I know the gospel's true and I believe it. But if I project it like that, man, I just, I, I just, I might as well just put my armpit up and put some BO out there. You know what I'm saying? Because it is a, it is a gospel repellent. And sometimes we're like, I'm getting persecuted for my faith. No, you're a jerk. That's why people are mean to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the way it is. Like, you're being rude right now. You know, like, brother, if you're not getting persecuted for your faith, it may not be right. But like, no, actually, it looked like when I read the scripture, Jesus actually attracted people. Why does nobody like to hear what anything you have to say? You know, like. <laughs> and you can still be respectful and loving and disagree with someone. It's just, that's maturity. You can know that you've stepped into a higher level of maturity when you disagree with someone, but yet you still respect them. And if someone disagrees with you, you can still be humble and not take it as an attack on your identity or security. Just because someone else doesn't believe in what you believe doesn't, shouldn't change what you believe. People are not in control of what we believe. We are. And actually, God is so into you being in control of yourself. You got born again, got a new nature, and one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life is this thing called self-control, where you actually manage yourself well and stop being a victim of everybody else's problems. Wow, that was really good. Amen. Come on. And I, I know this works for relationships in general, but it, it works for evangelism too. I, I, I'm, and so it's kind of a double thing here, but I, I just want to say that, man, sometimes we project everything on everybody else, but really you can't control anybody except for yourself. And God actually doesn't control you either. When Holy Spirit's in you, he said you can have self-control because God is into empowering you to be a responsible person. That's what, that's what a mature follower of Jesus looks like, someone who's responsible for their actions and doesn't blame anybody else for what they're going through. Wow. Woo. I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know what's happening out there. It's not letting people walk all over you. It's allowing people freedom to be themselves around you. That's what humility does. Like they don't have to meet a certain amount of requirements in order to be in, on the in crowd. Jesus was able to create a culture where people belonged before they believed. And I think it's because he was humble and he was really secure. So, another thing is this, a value for people. We talked about this, but just to 
go a little bit further in it, a value for people. Treat people like valuable human beings. I know that's so simple, but man, I'm telling you, no matter what ethnicity, age, culture, religion, income status, where you live, where you don't live, what money you make and what money you don't make, whether you got a cool beard, actually, he's got the coolest beard in the room, but anyway, like, I'm just saying, whether you got a cool beard or not, you know what I'm saying, like, it doesn't matter, you know what I'm saying, no matter, oh, and Evan's got a cool one too, okay, come on, you know what I'm saying, I'll catch up to you guys in like a week, so, <laughs> I'm Harry, I'm Harry, all right, that was really weird, I don't know, what that was really weird, no matter where you're coming from, a value for people, God so loved the world, can you imagine the world? Just if you did a one word Bible study throughout John three sixteen, and just God so loved the world and just really thought about what the world means for a second. There's a lot of jacked up people in the world. And there's a lot of jacked up things that we've done. There's all kinds of stuff. That's like the world includes people like Hitler and, and Osama bin Laden and, you know, and the teachers that you hated, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and the, and the family members that you had some issues with and they did some messed up things and all that, the world includes all of that. And what's wild about it is that God has a value for them. God has a, a value for Donald Trump. You with me? Like, I don't, I don't, maybe he'll be a president, maybe he won't be, but God has a value for him because Christ died for, for Donald Trump. Christ died for Barack Obama, our president. Christ Christ died for our leaders. Christ died for the people across the street. Christ died for, for no matter, whoever it is, the homeless who live in Grape Day Park in Escondido. Christ died, and therefore that means they're valuable. Christ, as scripture tells us that Christ died once for all because people are valuable. And I love it because, like, Jesus didn't have to lay his life down. He chose to. And I believe that one huge reason was because they were valuable to him. You don't lay your life down willingly for something that's not worth it, but the people are worth it to him. And I, believe, I, I fully believe this, that when God looks down from heaven, he just thinks people are amazing. So much so he proved it by sending Jesus. And so we practically do this in the way we talk to people, the way we approach. We use common courtesy. We use grace. We use patience. We respect people's boundaries. Some people don't want to have laid hands on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> some people don't want you to be like within five feet of their like bubble space. You know what I'm saying? Like some people got a bubble, you know what I mean? I have a, I have a bubble actually, but it gets invaded all the time. But I'm just saying like, I have a bubble, you know what I mean? Like, and then other people don't have a bubble, you know what I'm saying? And they try to project their unbubble on your bubble. And it just gets weird, but you know, like we gotta love each other. But if we, as much as we can respect people's boundaries, you know, and we practically do that in all these ways and be calm and courtesy and just, and treat people with respect. The servers at our restaurant, even if they're given bad service, I treat them as valuable people. Not because of their performance, but because Christ died for them. And I have this in the back of my head all the time. God loves this person. And their service does not deserve a 20% tip. It actually deserves like a 2% tip, but I'm gonna give them 30% because I represent Jesus. Are you with me on this? Like, I don't have enough money. Well, God, if, if God can get it through me, he'll get it to me. And I'll just bless people and he'll bless me back. Give and it shall be given to you. I'd rather err on the side of generosity by, because I'm representing a God who values people, not based on their performance, but based on his love for them. Are you with me on this? And so we have a value for people. We respect people's boundaries. I, I, was, I, I went to shake hands with a, with a, a girl that I, I, I saw a girl that we knew at Panera one time and I was saying hi, but she was also studying with another girl who was from a religion where they couldn't shake hands with men in public. 
And so I went to go do it. She's like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, it was a little weird, but I had to respect that. I can't be like, no, tell me, you know, like, you know, like, shake my hand because the power of God's going to move. You know, like, no, like, I, be respectful. They don't do that in their culture. Like, you can't just, like, barge in, you know. I, I, sometimes Americans, we, we have a conscience for our own culture and nobody else's sometimes, and it's kind of wild, you know. And in other countries, we're known as the loud Americans, and partly I'm excited about that, but then partly I'm like, okay, if we're going to actually reach people, we need to, like, humble ourselves, you know, like, and value that their culture over my culture right now. And so we can be the most important, uh, encouraging people in the world. Last one is this, the supernatural. Uh, and I, and I want to I say this because in, in this type of relational evangelism, what I mean by this is that we always keep an ear open to heaven and a pulse on the people. In other words, we're in touch with the person that we're communicating with, but we're also like Jesus. John 5, 19 says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So there was this, always this consciousness of like, God, what are you doing in people's lives? And can I be aware of this? And so what I mean by supernatural is I mean, like keeping your pulse on the people, but like, God, what are you doing in this, in this moment? Like, do you have something you would like me to pray for them? Is there something that's going on in their life that you'd like to tell me so I could be a, a service to them? And we, so we meet people where they're at, but we bring God into it. And it's so possible to communicate prophecies and words of knowledge in a very relational way. And you don't have to, you know, do all the little movements and the, and the twitches and the shakes and the whatever charismatic things we do. We can actually just <laughs> be normal human beings. What? And we can just go up to them and just say, hey, man, I, I just really felt like, you know, this was happening in your life. And is that true? Is that happening? Like, yeah, how did you know? Open door. Dude, Jesus knows who you are. Jesus sees where you're at. And I would love to just bless you. And, and we've seen this countless times, like so many times. We we started that thing called prophetic dinners where we would just sit and just ask, God's, ask God for words for our server. And then ask them and ask for real feedback because we're not just like just throwing things out there and running away and never actually getting feedback about how we're doing. It's like, hey, did I hear God correctly on this? Is that what's going on in your life? Okay. And my God, it changes people's lives. I mean, how many people are asking, God, show me if you're real? And then people like you show up on the scene and tell them details about their life that they could not, no one could know unless God told them. How, okay, I think God's real. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's awesome, man. We've seen this happen in so many, in so many realms. I mean, uh, even, and, and we'll show you a scriptural example of this in just a second. But even just going and offering prayer or offering blessing or, hey, you know, I noticed that you limped all the way over here. Is there something going on with you? You know, like, I mean, sometimes you don't get anything. Sometimes you're just walking up and you're just connecting with someone that, like, just normal. But watch for clues, man. There's clues of open opportunities. When someone's in conversation, you're like, man, my neck hurts so bad right now. I wish there was, like, a gift that when people lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Anyway, so what are you doing after church today? You know, like, or what? Or not, I shouldn't say church, but I would say, like, you look for clues like this, right? Like you, hey man, my family's just going through something really tough. Man, I'm just, it's just really crazy. My dad lost his job and this whole thing. Ding, 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 ding. That's an open opportunity for you to release the supernatural power and love of Jesus into their life. By just praying for them. If someone walks up on crutches, ding, 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 ding. It might be an opportunity for God to show up. Are you with me? And here's the simple thing. At face value, at face value, Jesus said you're the light of the world, so your very presence changes atmospheres just by you being around them. That's the way it is. And so as we close, I want to I wanna just kind of read through. I don't know. If we'll just do it. We'll just do it anyway because I think we have time to do this. 
I just want to read through a conversation at the woman at the well that Jesus had. Uh, and we'll read it out of the message translation or message paraphrase just to have fun. Uh, he came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob w- uh, had given his son Joseph. Jacob's will was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down by the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Thank you, message version, for that. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Come on, this is like real conversation happening here. Are you better than, uh, are, you, are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and, uh, or, or he and his sons and livestock and passed down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Verse 14, anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, uh, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. <laughs> I won't ever have to come back to this well again. And so here's where he inserts the supernatural. Well, he was already kind of leading or changing it to spiritual things here. He said, go, call your husband and then come back. Verse 17, I have no husband. And Jesus said, that's nicely put, I have no husband. You have had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. So I love this because you'll see that he, was, he must have been communicating with such love and mercy by her response. Verse 19, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this, he changed the subject. Our ancestors, wor- our ancestors worship God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? And he says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We worship, we Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. So he's not compromising truth here, but he's connecting with it. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Verse 24, God is sheer beauty or sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. (laughs) I love the honesty. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And then Jesus drops it on her. I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Come on with that. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. See, he meant Jesus broke down some prejudices in the culture. And it says, no one said what they were all thinking, but their, all, their faces showed it. Come on, thank you, message, for being real right there. 28, the woman took the hint and left. 
<laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> I think that's funny. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come, see a man who knew all things, who knew, about, who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Do you see this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the title of the thing. Do you see the impact of the, the word of knowledge at, in action? That was a supernatural word that he just dropped one word. He said, hey, let, uh, go get your husband. And she's like, actually, you know, I don't have a husband. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, the, you don't have a husband and the one you have, you know, the five and the whole deal. That's kind of an intense word of knowledge to deliver to somebody, number one. But that's how we know Jesus was full of grace and truth. And that's how we know he really was marked by love because he told her a detail about her life. And I love it because he only said like two details about her life. And to her, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. You with me on this? This is the power of the supernatural being released. It's not just good, uh, we're not just good people, we're godly people. And godly people means that we do what God does. And Jesus in this situation, and God in the flesh, releases a word of knowledge. And it impacted her life like crazy. And we'll finish the story. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. We've transitioned to New Living Translation now. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Verse 33. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Nourishment comes from doing God's will and finishing his work. Here's a key verse for us. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Verse 36, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? Come on, this is us. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest is true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. And check this out. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Come on, that's the power, man. Verse 40, when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed to, for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And all of that, a move of God in a city, all of it started from a good conversation. Talk about the impact of relational evangelism. Come on. And Jesus, being a genius, inserted the supernatural word of knowledge, and it apparently really ministered to her so much so that she exaggerates the story. And her whole—I mean, I, I don't even know—I don't know how many people in town. Maybe it was a whole town. Maybe it wasn't. I, there was a there is a a group of people in the town that got impacted, and it was relational, man. It was. I value you. Let's talk. Hey, can you get me something to drink? I mean, it was just, and obviously it was full of respect and love because you can't deliver a word of knowledge like that <laughs> and not be in love and have that kind of impact. And so, man, let me just close with this. As we do outreaches in the campus, we're helping people move in in the concert, in the parking lot. We're doing barbecues at the dorms. We, we, or just in regular life relationships. 
Let's love people. And I hope that is a little more clear now. So sometimes you go, let's love people. That just means being mushy. No, 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 no. Like, let's like stop saying love equals Nicholas Sparks movies. Like, let's just stop that for please. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord have mercy. Because I just want you to know all those movies are fantasy and no relationship ever works out like that. Just want to be clear on that. If anyone had their hopes in that, it's going to fail you. Um, but let's be real, like love. Let's take time to understand people, to be humble, to value people, and to pursue a life that's supernatural. And let's point people to Jesus. Are you with me? Let's all, uh, let's all stand together. I'm just going to pray for you, and then uh, we are actually going to pack some welcome bags after this. So here's the deal. Let me just say this before I pray for you guys and release you. Uh, if you want to hang out and stay afterward, we would love it. Please be a part of this thing, man. We really, we're going to pack 500 welcome bags. We got cookies and scantrons and coupons and tickets and all kinds of free stuff, pens, and it's just good stuff that we're going to be able to be a part of this. So you want to be a part of changing the world and, and changing people's lives, stay after. There actually is going to be some free food coming in a little bit, some pizza. And uh, so, man, you don't even have to go to In-N-Out and come back, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't have to like bombard Chick-fil-A like we did one time. That was, ugh. anyway, it was like 30 people came in like 10 minutes before they end. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. What can I get number two? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that's what we're going to be doing. So uh, just hang out and uh, there'll be some food and I'll be able to be a part of doing that. So Father, I thank you for everyone who's here tonight. God, I thank you that you would put your heart in our heart. Lord, that we would literally, like you said, the word became flesh. Let us, let us be so much like you that people would be like, wow, that's like love in the flesh right there. Like, like people, I really feel understood. I really feel valued. I really, I really feel like, man, these people are really the real deal. They, they look like Jesus. That's amazing. And so, God, I pray that the attraction that was on Jesus would be in us. I pray that we would take your word and live it out, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, that we'd be doers of it, God. Lord, let us not be looking in the mirror and then walking away forgetting what we look like. But God, let us just see who we truly are. We're Christians. We're little Christ. We're followers of Jesus. We're your representation on the earth today. And I pray that in all of our relationships in this room, that they would be transformed because your love is making its way. And we're surrendering to this thing. So I pray your blessing. I pray your strength. And I pray your vitality in us. God, I pray that yeah, I just, I don't know, I just, I'm praying for the group, and I was, Psalm 1 talks about people who were planted in the Word and planted by streams of water, and it says that they would be like trees, and it says that their leaf would not wither, and so God, I pray, where people have felt where they've just been, like, withered, like, dry, like, life is draining out of them, I pray that you would rejuvenate them, so that we could do what you're asking us to do, and to walk the way you're asking us to walk, in Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Amen, come on.